As we come to the Word of God this morning, we're going to read from Psalm 119. If you've not immersed yourself in this psalm, let me urge you to do so a little bit at a time because it's mighty long. But don't be confused by it. It seems a little random at times, but one of the reasons for that is it's an acrostic. There are each section each line of each section begins with a different letter of the Hebrew alphabet. I'll be reading two of those sections and then we will be considering in detail uh, as we come to God's word. I'll begin reading at verse 17 of Psalm 119. This is the word of God. Deal bountifully with your servant that I may live and keep your word. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I am a sojourner on the earth. Hide not your commandments from me. My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. You rebuke the insolent accursed ones who wander from your commandments. Take away from me scorn and contempt for I have kept your testimonies even though princes sit plotting against me. Your servant will meditate on your statutes. Your testimonies are my delight. They are my counselors. And then over at verse 33. Teach me, O Lord, the way of your statutes, and I will keep it to the end. Give me understanding that I may keep your law and observe it with my whole heart. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. Confirm to your servant your promise that you may be feared. Turn away the reproach that I dread, for your rules are good. Behold, I long for your precepts. In your righteousness, Give me life. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forth. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we pray that you will help us to understand it. Even as we worship you this morning, give us your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand as we sing together. Really? Well, don't stand up then, y'all. Oh, that is the title of my sermon, isn't it? Well, this morning, <laughs> thank you, Brian. I appreciate that, brother. Uh, this morning, uh, I had a thought as I was uh, going into my garage and getting into my automobile, my uh, Nissan Altima. Um, I thought, wow, <laughs> no wonder there's so many Methodists in Kansas. They're a hearty folk because, of course, they're the descendants of the early 19th century circuit-riding Methodists. Can you imagine getting on a horse on a morning like this and riding around your parish? No, I'll, I'll take my car, <laughs> okay. 
So I'm very glad to be here uh, this morning. I'm Dave Upchurch, and I'm, uh, if you don't know me, I'm a member of this presbytery, and I live in Lawrence. I know it's hard to say that around here, but that's okay. We love one another anyway. And so I'm very glad to be here to talk to you, uh, to, to bring the Word of God, uh, which is marvelous. Wonderful is the word the psalmist use, uses. Um, and, and as we know, the Word of God is just that. It's inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is, as Peter put it, uh, no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. That is what God in his grace has given to us. Well, then why is my reading of it so hard at times? Why is it so difficult for me to read the Scriptures? I have this privilege of reading the very word of God, which he's revealed to me and to each of us in him. I know that God, I know that God has good for me in his word. I know that all the great saints of history, as you read their biographies, have spent time in God's word. And so they recommend it in that sense to me. But. I suspect that we share this, that there are simply many times when it's a chore for me or I want to, I need to get, I know I need to get into it, but it's difficult. My mind wanders as I try to read. I, some days I just don't feel like putting forth the effort. Um, it sometimes seems simply a chore for me. Um, especially to stick with a regularly disciplined plan of reading. That, that sometimes uh, I go, wow, here I go again. In other words, what I I'm, I'm suspect each of us knows is that this is part of the spiritual warfare while we are all engaged in. And the complexities of that spiritual warfare is what we want to look at this morning in Psalm 119. Because the psalmist here addresses that warfare and he addresses our reluctance and our failure to truly love God's word and to, it, to delight, as he puts it, in spending time in it. The reasons why, because he, over and over again, he gives us reasons why we are to read the word of God, the reasons we ought to read it, and then also why we struggle with it. And that's what we want to look at this morning. I'm going to focus on two verses in particular, verse 19 and verse 36 of Psalm 119. But before I do that, I want to look first at the reason the psalmist gives us as to why he reads the word of God. So the first thing is, why does he read it? Verse 17, it is your word, right at the end of the verse. And then verse 18, it is your law that he reads. All of these synonyms, statutes, law, commandments, word, they are all preceded by this personal pronoun. Your word, your laws, your statutes. In other words, he addresses the Lord God of heaven and earth, the almighty God who made us all right, 
throughout. This is to whom he is praying. All right. Obvious at first, but think about it for a minute. This is a personal relationship that the poet has with the living God. That God has given him in many ways, but especially through his word. Your ways, your laws, your statutes, the personal God of the universe has made himself personally known to this poet. In other words, he seeks the Lord God himself in his word. That's why he comes to the word of God. Look at three examples of what I'm talking about. Look at verse 19 for a second. He says that this, this whole notion of he's seeking God. He's seeking God over and over again. Verse 19, he says, I am a sojourner on the earth. He knows that he's not even a citizen. <laughs> he is a legal immigrant, but he's not a citizen of this earth except that he belongs to the living God, personally. As, or as Paul put it in, in Athens, he said, he said, in him we live and move and have our being. That's how we are citizens, in the living God. And, and, and the poet acknowledges that and, and points to that. Look again at verse 20. He says in verse 20, I'm consumed with longing, consumed, with longing for your rules at all times. More than just Sunday mornings, more than just my personal devotion times, this relationship with the living God is what he's talking about. Verse 24, my delight, my counselors are your words. Again, this is his relationship with God. Who has Christ told us is our counselor? The Holy Spirit through the word of God and in, and in our very lives and giving us faith and giving us his grace daily to live for him. So, so David points to all this. This poet sees and knows and understands why he comes to the word of God. It's to know more about him. It's to delight in him. It's to grow in his relationship to him as he knows him more and more through his word. To delight and his love for him. Now there are other reasons why we might come to God's word. Besides knowing God. There are other reasons. Uh, we do learn of his ways here. As, as the psalmist relates over and over again. But that doesn't mean the Bible's a how to do it book. Sure there are times when we find. Solutions perhaps. To particular problems we have. But that's not what the word of God is primarily. The word of God is primarily this kind of thing that, that the psalmist talks about here. His path is more about knowing God is good, who leads and directs. Lead me in your paths, verse 35. Lead me in the path of your commandments, for I delight in that path. I delight in it. In knowing you as I walk with you along this path. We go to God's word because we find him there. We find him there. Solutions and comfort and promises come because of our relationship with him and because of knowing him. But the word of God is so much more than just a box of promises. And we certainly shouldn't read the word of God because we feel guilty about it, not reading it. Although 
Isn't it interesting that the Holy Spirit will use that guilt sometimes to bring us back and say, now, look what I've given you. But that's not the primary reason, again, that we read God's word. We read above all to know him. That's number one. Second, with this goal in mind, how do we approach the Bible? Look at verse 18. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. Open my eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of your law. I want to look first at the meaning of this word wonder. We'll, we'll get to the eyes opening in a, in a few minutes, but initially look at this word wonder. It's a word that we need to ponder and think about in our own lives, especially in our day of scientific solutions to everything, okay? Each of us, I suspect, has had a teacher along the way, whether it be grade school or high school or, or beyond, who when they come to a poem or to a work of literature, they're always looking for the hidden meanings or they're always looking for this or that, or, and you're going, whoa, where did that come from? I didn't, whatever. All right. And then what happens is they miss the big picture. They miss what the author is saying by focusing on the individual parts, by analyzing it, by, by looking at the individual pieces and missing the delight and the wonder of it all. Um, it fa in other words, this approach of this overanalyzing of a, a work of literature or other things, we fail to listen to what is being said, to what the author is saying there. What I'm talking about is a matter of positioning, even with secular literature, it's a matter of positioning when we come to a work and we analyze it, the tendency is for us to analyze it and then feel like, ah, now I got a grip on it. Now I understand it. Now I have got it, right? Instead of positioning myself to listen to what the author is saying. And we hit this tendency is throughout our society of analyzing things to death. I'm not saying always agree with the secular author, for example, but as I use this example, I'm saying, yeah, even there, we need to position ourselves to wonder and to marvel and to listen to what the author's saying. Uh, we do that with nature, with our, our scientific view of everything. Uh, the great English, early 19th century English poet Wordsworth uh, put it this way, when he was, and he was talking about looking out at the created order, he, was, he said this, our meddling intellect, ooh, that's condemning, our meddling intellect, our meddling intellect misshapes the beauteous forms of things. We murder to dissect. Catch that? In this kind of analysis, we murder 
We, we kill the very thing we're looking at to dissect it, to take it apart. And he said, by contrast, what we need to be doing is come forth, Wordsworth calls us to do. He says, come forth and bring with you a heart that watches and receives. Catch, watching and receiving is what the author of Psalm 19 is urging us to do. That I may behold wondrous things out of your law. My puny mind and eyes must wonder at what God has given me. To listen to that and to submit to that. Something here is far greater than I can ever imagine. Therefore, my approach to the Bible must be one of eagerness to listen to what the scripture has to say to me. A humility that this is God's law. This is God's word, and he has condescended to give it to us. That's how we come to it. By his grace, by his spirit, he's come to us with his word to give us knowledge of himself, knowledge of his love and his goodness and his ways among us. We don't come to judge the scripture we humbly come to listen and be judged by God's word. The late R.C. Sproul said in, in, in one of his last interviews, he said this, we never stand over the Bible, but the Bible does stand under us. I remember as a philosophy major and then a professor trying to learn for myself and to inculcate in my students the art of critical reading, but when I read the Bible, it's criticizing me. I'm not criticizing it. See, that's another angle on this notion of what the psalmist is talking about. May I behold wondrous things out of the law. Certain it's God's loving kindness and compassion for us. We come listening with a certain knowledge that God doesn't give us all the answers we want. In fact, we must wonder much of the time in our lives. But we must always approach his word remembering that we are creatures and that he's the creator of all. What I, I believe the psalmist is urging on us is the same thing that the old nursery rhyme urges on us. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. I could dismiss that star with, yeah, it's just a ball of flame and gases. But no, no. I marvel and I wonder at what God has done in giving us the stars. That's what the psalmist is about here. We come using our minds. Make no mistake, I'm not urging us to just be passive or anything. But it's positioning. We exercise humility and care in our analysis of Scripture. We, we come to it recognizing our own limits and always ready to listen and understand what God's word has for us. What he has graciously and free, that he, that he has graciously and freely made himself known to us. And that's the only reason that we know him. May I behold wondrous things out of your law. The reason to read is to know God and delight in him. 
And the second is the humble approach we must have, this wonder as we come to God's word. And then thirdly, the grace that we require in order to read it at all. Verse 36. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. King James says, the version says, incline my heart to thy testimonies and not to covetousness. It's the same idea, selfish gain or covetousness, what else I am worshiping. He longs for God's word, but he knows his own heart too. He longs for his word over and over again. He expresses that longing and delighted, but he also knows his own heart. He knows himself, that he is self-centered and seeking selfish gain, that he is indeed covetous. So he prays, incline my heart in the right direction. Incline my heart to you and your word, because I know who I am. Since the fall of Adam and Eve, no human heart except that of the Lord Jesus has naturally inclined to God's ways. That inclination must be, must be from God himself. Now we could, because, and we see that even as we reason all this out. We reason, okay, God's word is good. If I know God and his word, that will be good. God has condescended to me, but I still don't read it enough or I still don't let it rule me enough. I don't think through the scriptures in my, in my daily walk enough. What's going on there? It's in our head, we can reason it out. But the psalmist says, hey, it's my heart too. It's my heart too that must be made right if I am to listen to this word that God has given us. That's what he's talking about in verse 18 when he says, open my eyes. Open my eyes and incline my heart. I must have that if I'm going to grow in my knowledge and love of you. In spite of my head knowledge, I continue to look at worthless things first and to covet what I don't have instead of to God. We naturally and habitually bring that kind of those eyes and heart to the word of God every time. Our hearts are in the wrong place and we are blinded. In other words, we need grace even to receive the grace that God has for us in his word. So we've got to pray. Incline my heart that I may know your testimonies. John Piper, I, I saw him in a video. I'm going to try to imitate Piper for you now. John Piper in this video, talking about this very verse, and if you've seen Piper, and I hope you do get to sometime, he's quite histrionic, wonderful word, but he's really dramatic in this stuff. And he goes, our hearts, the psalmist is saying, our hearts are like this. They're inclined this way. And, and I must pray that God will incline my heart this way to him. Isn't that right? Isn't that right? Boy, I felt that when he did that. I know which way my heart's going and it needs to be oriented to him vertically. My heart must be inclined. I should desire to know more of God. 
Instead, too many times I read out of a sense of duty or so I won't feel guilty not reading. And those are the times when I'm just usually turning pages just to get through that portion of the scripture, isn't it? I try to avoid God's word when I want to change my own life, when I know I ought to change it. I, I try to rationalize different verses. Well, we can, we can, what did Jeremiah say? The heart is deceitful. And we know that when we look at our Bible reading. I want to be in charge of my own life, and I think I know best. I know better than God and his word. And that's just, that's just wacky, isn't it? When we think about that rationally. Incline my heart. So that I don't read in order to justify my own selfish desires. Or I don't read and forget about my own selfish desires as I'm reading. To selectively read. Or there's so many times when I come to God's word. And I'm, I'm, I am impatient with his ways with me. <sighs> come on Lord. Surely. Surely we can get past this. Instead of waiting on him and listening to him in his word and seeing his constant and abiding work in me, even if it's not at the pace that I want or I think I would prefer. And in fact, isn't that upside down? What I need to be preferring is not only his ways, but his timing in those ways. And instead, I think I know better even in the timing of it all. And you know, it's in those times of great difficulty and pain that I just don't feel like reading. And this is a tip for all of us as believers in Christ who are in the body of Christ as we seek to support one another. If you know somebody's going through a hard time right now, whatever that might be, in your prayers for them, pray that God would open up his word for them. That's a great prayer because isn't it hard to read the word of God when times are tough? Sometimes we read because, wow, I, I, I'm desperate. Other times I'm going, oh, it's the same old thing over and over again. And I'm consumed with my hard road at that point. So we got to pray for each other, especially that God would open his word. That the Holy Spirit would help us to pray. Verse 36 is teaching us. We must always remember the natural inclination of our hearts. That's why I went through all that stuff with John Piper. We've got to remember that. That that's what I bring when I come to the word of God. And instead of pride. That the spirit would enable us. The Holy Spirit will enable us to have the humility that we need. If we are to properly grow in our knowledge and love of God, again, which is the goal of the psalm. And in all of that, we must have our counselor's help, the Holy Spirit, to work in us. So therefore, we must read. Every time we read, Lord, I know what I bring to your word. Please give me the grace that I need to overcome my own sinful, selfish heart and desires. And to keep from thinking I know better than you do. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Or as one hymn writer put it. Jesus, Jesus, how I love thee. Oh, for grace to love thee more.
That's the heart reader to bring to the Bible. God has wonderfully given us his word, especially in Psalm 119. I urge you to spend some time there and see all that God has for us there. And as you do that, may he help each of us pray that our aim would be first and foremost knowing and loving him. That's why we've got it. That's why the word of God is here, to know him and to love him. And may he help us to listen to his word, to humbly wonder as we position ourselves under the word of God. It is indeed our foundation, but we position ourselves under that foundation as we listen to it. And we marvel at all that God has done. And finally, may he pour out his grace on us that we may have hearts that tr are truly inclined to him, inclined to his word, so that he alone will have the glory in all of our lives as we seek him. Amen. Let's pray. Our God, we indeed thank you for your, for your goodness to us that we marvel at. And we marvel that you have condescended to make yourself known. Help us to love you more because of that and to give you all the glory, which is indeed your due. Through our Savior Jesus, who came and bled and died and obeyed you perfectly and rose from the dead and is and are coming again and in that we rest in Jesus name amen